See, and I, I never had a problem with Jar Jar, so. I, <laughs> don't give me that look. I just, I just won't judge. Okay, I didn't even realize there was so much hate for Jar Jar when I watched the movies. Like, it was years after I watched the movies before I realized that there was all this hate for Jar Jar. And I'm like, why? It's unnecessary comedy when you don't need it. Yes, but the point of Jar Jar was to sell toys to kids. I know, but like the other Gungams were not that way. So why did Jar Jar have to be that way? I'm dead serious. The point of Jar Jar was to sell toys to kids. That was the whole point of Jar Jar. That's why none of the other Gungans were like that. Just him. I know. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on April 26th, we will be talking about our top 10 favorite book quotes. Then on May 3rd, we will be discussing Wild Sign, the latest book in the Alpha and Omega series by Patricia Briggs. And don't forget, we have a Patreon now. Some of the perks include episode shoutouts, a monthly book picking poll for a guaranteed episode, a spoiler-free mini-series and bonus content, and even having us send you a book we're planning to do an episode on. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are going down, once again, the Harry Potter lane and talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. As you probably know, this is book two in the Harry Potter series, and it came out, I believe, in 1998. Is that right, Abby? Sure. Excellent. Once again, I'm going to reiterate, I remember reading this book in sixth grade. I had the hardback version of this book. And I do remember devouring this book when I got it. And I was very excited to read it. What about for you? What was your first memory of reading this book? I didn't read these books until high school. And they were all borrowed from my friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Forgot about that. So did you get to read the whole series? Like in high school, or did you have to wait for any of them? I might have had to wait for the last two, I think. When did the last couple come out? I know one came out after I graduated, and one came out, I think, my junior year. So I think it was my junior year and my senior summer. Like my junior summer, senior summer, I want to say. So the last one came out in 2007. And 2005 was the one before that. So I'm thinking Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was getting ready to come out. And that's why the topic came up. And my friends went, you haven't read the Harry Potter series? And tossed all the books at me so I could read them and catch up. So I'm pretty sure I had to wait for those last two. Man. I was just thinking about like, my nephew has, and he's 10, has read all the Harry Potter books. He didn't have to wait. He didn't understand having to wait for when these books to come out. <laughs> well, there was also a huge culture around waiting for these books to come out and like the midnight releases when people would line up at bookstores to get them and all of that stuff. Like, I never participated in any of it, but it was a huge deal. There are people who would be dressed up just to stand in line for a few hours before 
the new book was released. No, I never did. I never did Harry Potter Party. Um, I did Prime books five, six, and seven, and they were on my doorstep the day they came out, and it was great, and I loved it. Amazon did a great job with that one. Yes. So. But, yeah. Which, I mean, I kind of wish I had done maybe one of the parties because it was a really, really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, eh. It requires people and things and stuff, you know? It requires socializing when you should really be in bed. <laughs> yeah. Or you mean reading, because midnight was a good time to read a book when I was younger. Oh, yes. Reading. What was I thinking? Reading in bed. But, I mean, there was a huge culture around the Harry Potter book releases, because it was such a phenomenon. Yeah. Why do you think it was a phenomenon like that, like it was? I think it just hit that perfect point in time where like the internet was just starting to get really big in the nineties. And from my understanding, cause I've watched a lot of YouTube videos about stuff like this, from my understanding, kids books as a genre were kind of dying. Hmm. Like kids books in middle grade, it was just a dying genre and a lot of publishers didn't want a chance trying to publish books in that genre anymore because it just wasn't selling as well as like adult books. And I think that's part of why she got so many rejections initially, because there were so many publishers who were just like, we're not even going to have this genre in a few years. So why would we publish another book in it kind of thing? And so this one finally got published and it was just, it was such a hit because it was different from a lot of the stuff that was currently out at the time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I can't think of any significant other fantasy novels in that era at that time. In that era. Hmm. For that age group it, at that time. Like Harry Potter was the only book I remember reading that was fantasy, that was kid-centered. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why it was such a phenomenon because mm-hmm. it was so unusual for the time and it was so unique and it caught so many kids attention that it just kind of swept up into this whole generational cultural phenomenon. I mean, the majority of our generation could tell you what house they're in. If you asked, if you asked a Mm -hmm. random stranger on the street Mm -hmm. who looked about your age they could probably tell you what house they're in. Honestly, I could ask kids in high school and they can tell you what house they're in. Exactly. I mean, even my dad, who is, is he 60s yet? 50s? I don't know how old my dad is anymore at this point. Who cares? <laughs> he loves Harry Potter. He loves the books. He loves the movies. He has all day movies. He has all the books in hardback. For his birthday, I, I bought him the new... Bedroom, Bedroom, Bards, Beetle and Bards book, whatever it was called. I don't remember at this point. Oh, Beetle the Bard Tales or whatever that one is. Uh huh. Yeah, the new one that came out for his birthday for Christmas. Well, Christmas and his birthday are the same thing, which is annoying. So I bought that for his birthday and he got a handmade wallet from Nate for Christmas. Same day, though. 
really annoying. But yeah. But yeah, like he he's read The Cursed Son or right? Harry Potter and the Cursed Son. Is that the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Yeah. Yeah, I was close. Or I haven't, the Cursed I Child, haven't read that. I think is all it's called. Just the Cursed Child. Yeah, sure. I haven't read it. But he loved that. Um I got him the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them um screenplay. Like that's how much my dad likes Harry Potter. So to say that these books are multi-generational, there we go, is very true. Like from my nephew who's 10 to my dad who's older, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to say. It's cool. Yeah. Versus like my husband doesn't know anything about Harry Potter, but he's also not a fantasy person. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I told him at one point, the girls and I were uh, talking about Hogwarts houses and what houses we would all be in, and then we started divvying up our husbands as well, because, like you do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we decided that James would be a Gryffindor, and when I told him that, he went, what's a Gryffindor? (laughs) I mean, does he even get a house at this point? I feel like he'd just be straight up muggle. Like, I don't think he could even, like, the sorting hat would be put on his head and the hat would be like, no, take me off. Take me off. Yes, my husband would probably just be a muggle. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's okay. I'm not a pureblood. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is a Hufflepuff household. I hope my children also grow up to be Hufflepuffs because we are Hufflepuff people. I sort my children into... Hogwarts houses. I think my older one is a Gryffindor and my younger one is a Ravenclaw. I don't know what mine would be yet. But they're they're not chill. Mara Mara might be a Slytherin with her deviousness. And Will Will might be a Ravenclaw because he's a pretty smart little cookie. Yeah, Titus is definitely my little Ravenclaw. The kid who cries if you don't read him books. And <laughs> Matthias is my charge on a head without really stopping kid so you know Gryffindor (laughs) but that's okay yeah I like them both they're good kids they are so tonight we're talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets Abby you want to tell a summary about this book sure Harry Potter returns for his second year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. It seems as though this year might be quieter than his first, until Mrs. Norris, the caretaker's cat, is found petrified with a dire warning written on the wall beside her. Enemies of the air, beware. Now Harry and his friends begin their own investigation and attempt to juggle their discoveries and their schoolwork. Will they discover the culprit before someone dies, or will things unfold the same way they did 50 years ago? Mm. Good mystery novel, right? Or a good mystery open. Yeah, I just realized that I completely skipped over the Dursleys and Dobby in that summary. <laughs> oh, well, it's fine. I don't like the Dursleys anyway. But, it's fine. I know. <laughs> oh, would you like to read us some characters, Mo? I would. In case you all didn't realize, the main character is Harry Potter. Harry Potter in this book is 12 years old. He is still on the scrawny side, still has dark hair, still has green eyes, and still has a scar the shape of a lightning bolt. 
But instead, he's now has a year underneath his belt of being a wizard. And he goes back to the land of Hogwarts in this book once again. We also have the Dursleys, who are Harry Potter's aunt, uncle, and his cousin. They're awful people. We don't like them. But that's a very biased opinion. You may like, you may like them. We don't. They're muggles. There's also, we meet Dobby, who is a house elf. There's Ron Weasley who is Harry Potter's best friend with his flaming red hair. There's also Hermione Granger, who is Harry Potter's other best friend, who is a huge bookworm and definitely still forever going to be one of my favorite book characters ever. We also have Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, who is Ron's and Jenny's mom and dad, plus the other five siblings. There's also Jenny Weasley, who comes in this book, which is Ron's little sister, who is just starting her first year at Hogwarts as well. Then we have Colin Creevy, who is a Gryffindor, and he is a first year like Jenny Weasley. He has a penchant for following Harry around, trying to take pictures. We have Dumbledore, who is the headmaster of Hogwarts. He's considered the most powerful wizard of the age. Professor McGonagall is a very strict witch. Uh, she teaches transfiguration and... She is also the head of Gryffindor House. And this year, the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher is Professor Lockhart. He is flamboyant and pretty. (laughs) And very wrapped up in himself. Yes, he is. And those are just kind of smattering of the main characters that we meet in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. There are, of course, going to be reoccurrences of Professor Snape and Draco Malfoy and his cronies. But in general, this is who we feel stand out the most in this book. Mm-hmm. When we come back, we're going to deep dive into the characters and our favorite scenes, least favorite scenes. And you know how the second half goes. It's always going to be full of spoilers. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. And this half is spoilers. So in case you were not in on the Harry Potter phenomenon and have not read the Chamber of Secrets yet, you should pause right here, go pick up the book and read it, and then come back and talk to us. All right. So, Mo. You wanted to discuss something before we really get into the deep dive. I do. So as you have listened or read these books as an adult, do you feel like since you've grown up that your favorite characters have changed in this book? Why or why not? I feel like they probably have changed a bit. And it's not that I started disliking the characters that were my favorites before. It's just that I identify better with other characters now. For example... Now that I'm a mom, I definitely identify more with Mrs. Weasley <laughs> versus when I was first reading these books, I never really thought much about her other than, hey, you're kind of a cool adult and just like moved on. 
Hermione is one of my favorite characters when I was originally reading through the books. But the more I think about them, the more, I mean, I still like her, but she's not one of my favorites anymore. (laughs) And characters that I used to really like, like Dumbledore. (sighs) Having read the whole series, the more I think about (laughs) Dumbledore, I just, that is a well of not good things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're, you have less and less liking of Dumbledore as you have read more and more. Yes, the more I think about this series and how irresponsibly Dumbledore handled a lot of things and how poorly he handled a lot of things. It just those, there are just so many things that he could have done better or differently. And I just, I can't get over them. <laughs> I used to really like Dumbledore and Every time I read read through this series, I like him less. It's interesting. I mean, it's also, it's like paralleling to look at Dumbledore. Dumbledore, let's see, never got married, never had kids, really. So he's missing that family factor, even though he takes care of a whole school of kids. He's a very flawed character. He's very powerful, but he's also very, I think he's very caring, you know. But he's also, I don't want to call him manipulative, manipulative, but I want to say he's, um, he pulls strings to get things the way he wants it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just the things he does, like, sure, there's a special magic that protects Harry because he stays at the Dursleys. Is that worth the child abuse that he puts up with? Because I don't think it is. <laughs> Yeah, well, and we know, major spoiler in the series, guys, that the charm that his mom cast on him has to be renewed once a year, at least by blood. You know, maybe Albus could have figured out something else than just leaving him with his, you know, mm-hmm. family that sucked. Which is why he had to go back every summer and he wasn't allowed to stay at Hogwarts every summer because he had to go renew the charm by being with them. Right. It absolutely kills me and makes me really lose respect for Dumbledore knowing that he left Harry in an abusive relationship or in an abusive household and then tried to claim it was for his own good because of the magic. Like, that doesn't equal out at all. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's just things like that throughout the series that, like, they come to light and you're like, wait a minute, Dumbledore did what now? It's just, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like you read now as an adult that you didn't catch as a kid that you're like, wow, wow, you let that happen? It's mind blowing. Because, like, if I think about who, you know, growing up, my favorite characters, I still love Hermione. I ever love Hermione. But she was probably my favorite character reading the book, you know, and then Harry as well. Ron was okay. I didn't really get into Ron until later, because then I stopped liking Harry after a while. Because I never stopped liking Hermione. But now, like, I love Hagrid even more. He's just a really good father-like figure. And then, like, in this story, I I like side characters better than the main characters, besides Hermione. Hermione doesn't count. But I try not to put her for everything. It's my favorite character. And it's just interesting how your perceptions change, and 
how you latch onto different people, the order you get. Mm-hmm. So, Abby, tell me, who's your favorite character in this book? Favorite characters? Character. Well, in this particular book, I love Lockhart. I know he's a fop. I know he's ridiculous. But I love that about him because he cracks me up. And I love his entire storyline through this series. I really wish it had been included in the movies. I understand why it wasn't, but I wish it had been. Because he's just this absolute narcissistic idiot. And I do love picturing the very misguided job interview that he must have had with Dumbledore. (laughs) And how, Mm -hmm. again, how irresponsible it was of Dumbledore to hire him in the first place. Other things that kill me about Dumbledore. But I'm just, it kills me that Dumbledore only had one applicant and it was Lockhart. And instead of going, maybe I should teach Defense Against the Dark Arts myself this year. He went, yeah, I'm hiring this dude. (laughs) Like, yeah. I just, it absolutely kills me. But I do like Lockhart and I like his storyline and I really like him. He makes me laugh. He's one of those people that like, he enters a scene and you're it's like, always oh, this a is very big scene when he's in the scene. <laughs> I agree with that. And I also, I love Mrs. Weasley. I feel her on a spiritual level now that I'm a mom and she's just freaking amazing to begin with. But like I said, the older I get, the more I just identify with her. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> If my son stole a flying car and got their friend and came back home in the morning and tried to sneak back in, you better believe I'd be out in the yard bringing them in front of the neighbors. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. I would be Mrs. Weasley in that situation for sure. <laughs> have fun with that one. Sounds good. The worst part is I have two boys and I can picture them doing that if we lived in a magical world like that. It happened. What about you? What are your favorite characters? So I really I did not like Lockhart growing up, but man, like rereading it now, I love Lockhart. He's the most ridiculous ridiculous character ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe the crap he does. His whole stealing people's stories and then wiping their minds and then pinning them off as his own I'm like oh my god you're like the worst person ever you know I know but he's so charming oh, yeah but he's so charming but he's everybody loves him um I always find it interesting like when they take the test the first day of defense against magical dark arts and Hermione gets a perfect score on it of course of course <laughs> and I'm like of, of course of course you do But one thing that really stands out for me is that my friend Russell created this whole amazing inspired outfit. They're a a costume maker, a designer, just this really creative person. And I can never see Lockhart like the character in the movie. Um, I see Lockhart as my friend has dressed. And I love that perception. And I mean, like, I can just see... I mean, Lockhart's outfits are crazy. They're even described crazy. They're crazy in the movie. And I just absolutely love it. And I'm just like, this character is so over the top. He's just this bumbling fool. 
And I love every single scene he's in because he's just comedic relief. Like one of my, it's not like not my top favorite scene, but I love, I love the the karma he gets when he tries to wipe Harry and Ron's memory with um, Ron's wand. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's not going to be good for you. That wand is a bad news wand. (laughs) And I love it. I love when he wipes his own mind with that stupid wand. I'm like, yeah. And then I really like Nearly Headless Nick. I love the chapter about his death day party. It's just different. It gives you a glimpse into the... I love anything that gives you a glimpse into the wizarding world outside of the school world, basically. So, like, when you get to get to the Weasley's family house and, like, the clock that has the moving spoons of where everybody is versus with Nearly Headless Nick, you get to hear about how he died and how the food at his party is so terrible for humans, but maybe if you're a ghost and you pass through it, maybe you can taste it because it's so rotten, you know? hmm Yeah. And it's just like he's been there for 500 years taking care of all these Gryffindor um, first years, making sure they're not late to class. And I'm like, and I really do admire Harry's ability to befriend non-magical people, you know, the non-magical creatures, because that's something... A lot of the Peter Bloods have a lot of prejudice against um, anything that's not, you know, them. And then Harry's like, I don't really give a crap. I'll be friends with everybody. Dobby, Nearly Headless Nick, random spiders in the woods. Why not? You know, not quite Hagrid level, but a little bit like that. Well, I think Harry befriending basically everybody that crosses his path also has to do with the fact that he had no friends until Hogwarts, like zero friends because nobody wanted to friend, befriend him because of Dudley and his bully gang. Yeah. And so like, if you've been that starved for friendship, of course you're just going to be like, yes, you want to be my friend? Yes, I want to be your friend. <laughs> All right. So we should probably talk least favorite characters then. Yes, yes. You want to tell tell me about your least favorite characters first? The Dursleys. The child abuse continues in this book. You want to know what made me mad about this book? The child abuse? Oh my god. Okay, one of my least favorite scenes. I know I'm skipping ahead, but one of my least favorite scenes in this book. Petunia tries to hit Harry over the head with a frying pan legitimately tries to hit him over the head with a frying pan. The only reason he doesn't get hit is because he ducked in time. Like, awful. Absolutely awful. I hate the Dursleys so much. They're horrible people. I just, (sighs) rage. I have so much rage about the Dursleys. (laughs) The older I get, the worse it gets. Well, because they're awful. They they just do. I just can't believe how they treat this kid. He's a kid. Like, seriously. Yeah. And then, of course, the other character I hate is Snape. He continues to be horrible at every turn, regardless of what is going on. It's just, he's a terrible person. He's a terrible teacher. I do not approve. What about you? Well... This might be, what is it? When you say things is not popular. What's that called? Unpopular opinion? 
right? Yes. Yep. Unpopular opinion. I don't like Dobby. He is the Jar Jar Binks in my Harry Potter world. Okay. Okay. I really don't like Dobby. I do not enjoy him. I don't like him. He annoys me. He just reminds me a lot of Jar Jar Binks. And it made me irritated that he held back letters from Harry. It made him feel isolated. It annoyed me that he blocked Harry from going to Hogwarts by the barrier thing. His whole doing magic and getting Harry blamed on that just pissed me off, too. Like, I'm sorry, Dobby. Like, you could have done, you could have just told Harry what was going on. You could have done something else besides just what you did. I know he had his strengths because he was the Malfoy's house elf, but seriously. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, in the long term, I'm okay with Dobby, but he sucked in this book. He was horrible in this book. Just, no. Dobby in this book is terrible. And I don't like him at all anywhere so yeah good Good for you you can like him all you want just like i don't like jar jar binks later in star wars anyway also heaves annoys me every time he's in a scene along with um flip flinch flinch flouch flint belch and filch 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 Thieves and filth also annoy me as characters who are just lurking in the corners of the castle. I have zero love for them. I always love when the Weasley twins annoy the crap out of Peeves. I'm like, yes. Pull pranks on him. Get him. And then I just feel bad for Filch as a squib, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, dude, like. I know you're from the wizarding world and you don't have magic, but seriously, you could do better outside of this, you know? Yes. Like, he's bitter and crabby. Just leave. Take your cat and leave. There are better things out there, you know? Oh, I know. Oh, I have I have thought long and hard about Felch. Like, he adds to the Dumbledore issue for me. <laughs> so the real question for me is, was Dumbledore being mean, keeping him around? making him clean things by hand because he didn't have magic? Or was he being nice, letting a squib have a job? And I can't decide which is worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, like... I don't, I don't know. Because if you think about it, too... Well, think about it. Dumbledore did use... What's the neighbor's name that lived by the Dursleys with the cats? Oh, yeah, the old lady with the cats. Because mm-hmm. he used her, too, to keep tabs on Harry. She was also squib. Yeah, but she also wasn't stuck in a magical school, unable to do magical cleaning spells and being forced to clean mud out of the entranceway and things like that by hand, like Filch was. Yeah. So, like... That is true. <sighs> Filch just bothers me in general, like... There are literally hundreds of cleaning spells and he can't do a single one. And so none of the teachers or the headmaster is going to bother cleaning anything. But this guy who can't do any magic is going to be forced to clean everything by hand. Mm-hmm. What? This there makes is zero reason for him to have this job. Yeah. <sighs> zero reason for him to have this job. It drives me... It drives me in circles trying to figure out why he has this job and why Dumbledore gave him this job and just 
Filch is a problem. <laughs> I'm often torn between all these thoughts and they make me feel a little sorry for him. And then he starts being his horrible self. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're horrible. But at the same time, I still kind of feel bad for you because this is not a situation you should be in. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. But he's still just, mm, he's just such a little crabby crab. I do feel bad for him. I feel bad for his, for Mrs. Norris, for his cat, because, you know, she got petrified. Kind of sucks. He loves his cat, though she's kind of a pain, too. Yeah. I still don't like him, though. Yeah, Mrs. Norris is one of those cats that is only loved by their owner. And it happens. It does. Yeah, it's okay. All right. So, favorite scenes. Hit me. What you got? One of my favorite scenes is definitely when Harry gets to Ron's house. And of course, Mrs. Weasley is telling them off and she's like, go to Gnome the Garden. And Harry's like, what is that? I want to go to Gnome the Garden too. And then they go out to the garden and they're checking gnomes. Like, like what the gnomes over the thing. And then Harry is being really timid and just walks him over. And the gnome is like, mm, I don't think so. And just comes right back in and gets all cozy. And the, the twins are like, listen, you need to like really chuck them. Like you can't just, you, you got to be a little more vicious with them. And I don't know why, but I just really, it's just funny. It's just a weird, non-essential, but lighthearted scene after all of the crap that Harry gone through. And I loved it. I also really liked the um, wizard's dueling said classes club or yeah the wizards doing club scene because it's just like a different aspect of hogwarts that you don't really get to see like we see the classes but what else is there what other clubs are they part of like is neville part of a her her club where they get to study deadly plants and you know is hermione the lead of a study group of course or is ron part of a wizard's chess club like there's so many different possibilities that it just tingles my imagination. Like, what else could these students be involved in? Maybe there's a magical photography club, like for Colin Cleveley, with his taking all those pictures. Like, what other interests do wizards and witches have growing up? Yeah, I think that's one of the killer things about this series is Harry is a jock. And so it's all about sports. So you don't find out anything about any of the clubs or any other activities that might be going on in Hogwarts. It's just Quidditch. (laughs) That's one of the bad things about your main character being a jock. Hmm, That's true. I didn't think about that either, that he is a jock. So that's why we have so much Quidditch. He's also an unobservant jock. Yeah. I mean, I do like the Quidditch scenes. Like, I'm not a jock, but I do enjoy sports, and I did like that a lot. But I could have, I would have loved to seen other stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. I would have loved to see other things, but Harry is not observant enough for that. So, <laughs> no. I also really like the scene when Harry is in Dumbledore's office and he's and he watches the Phoenix Fox die and then come back to life. He's like, "Oh, that is one ugly bird, and it doesn't look good." And then a feather drops. And then it bursts in the flames. He's like, oh, shoot. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then then another little ugly little bird hatchling comes out of the ash. And he's like, well, it's still ugly. And Dumbledore's like, you know, 
goes on to explain that, you know, Phoenix tears can heal wounds and they can carry immense amount of weights and everything. But it's like one of the things like this is he's like, you know, beginning and end of life. You're not you might be ugly, but then he's beautiful later. I don't know. It's just like this whole metaphor. And it's very fitting about death and resurrection. And it's very deep and some other stuff. I don't remember everything I was thinking about when I was writing that. But also, I really like phoenixes, and Fox is a really great phoenix. The thing that cracks me up most about that scene is when Harry is watching Fox and, like, thinks about how he looks like he might die any day now, and then just thinks to himself, man, it would absolutely suck if Dumbledore's bird dies when I'm the only one in the room, and then he goes up in flames, and he's like, (laughs) I know. Makes me laugh every time. I'm like, oh, you poor kid. <laughs> oh, so I love the scene. I mentioned it earlier, but I love the scene where the boys show up with Harry and just absolutely get reamed by Mrs. Weasley for taking the car. And because, you know, I feel that on a spiritual level, I love it. I sit there going, yes, Mrs. Weasley, you tell them. <laughs> and then I love that she turns to Harry and speaks to him so nicely about how glad she is that he's there and let's go get you some breakfast. And it just <laughs> like, yes, that is exactly how that should have played out. Yes. <laughs> I love her. I love Mrs. Weasley. She's awesome. Then I also really love when Mr. Weasley and Mr. Malfoy get into a fist fight in the bookshop. <laughs> it's like, they're so freaking petty to each other that they get into a fist fight with all of their children right there <laughs> in the middle of a crowd. Like, yes, yes, these are. Yeah, these are adults, man. They don't, don't you, do you ever feel like adults in the wizarding world are more immature than muggles? Like their um, conflict resolution, it kind of sucks. Yes. Yeah. I can't imagine. Because it got magic. I can't imagine like having a feud with a PTA mom and getting into a slapping contest in the middle of a store with her. Like, why did we go there? How did we go there? What happened? (laughs) Yeah, it just, yeah. But it does make me laugh because just the thought of them throwing fists, it just makes me laugh every time I read it. And then... I really love the scene. I don't like the scene with the spiders very much, but I love the cars saving Harry and Ron. Just like busting it all wild, smushing spiders as it goes, throwing the doors open and mm-hmm. and all of them piling in real quick and then the car reversing right out. <laughs> Just like, and then of course, by the time the car gets to the end of the forest, it stops. And opens the door and just kind of like, get out. <laughs> I saved you. Get out. Bye. <laughs> I'm done with you. My loyalty has been cut off. Goodbye. You're the ones that set me free. I saved your lives. We're even. Bye. <laughs> yep. Oh. oh, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we should probably talk least favorite scenes then. Oh, Yeah. 
I'm just going to dive right into it. I hate the beginning of the book because Harry feels so isolated after having such a great year and having all these great friends. And then he receives no letters because of Dobby. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned it earlier about Dobby. He's just, he has gone through so much crap. Like I still really like Harry in the first three books. I have a lot of empathy for him. Like just let him talk to his friends. Let him know that he's not alone. And then he gets freaking locked in his room by the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. They suck. They suck. It's really suck. And this is more of a I don't like spiders. So I kind of hate the scene in the woods with Argog because it says a lot of spiders and he's a big spider. Like I'm with Ron. I could hard pass. Like I mean, if my brother had turned my teddy bear into a spider, yes, I too would have a terrible fear of spiders. Like, <laughs> what are your least favorite scenes? So I mentioned this one earlier, but Petunia tries to hit Harry over the head with a frying pan. There's so much wrong there. Yeah. It just, it made me so mad. It made me want to smack her. Like, that is your sister's child. What are you doing? And then... The other scene I really don't like is when Hagrid gets taken away to Azkaban. Oh, I forgot about that. I just, that broke my heart because first off, he deserves so much better. He didn't do anything. He was completely innocent. And the way they describe Azkaban in later books, you're like, oh my God, they made Hagrid go there for suspicion of this. They didn't even have any proof. It makes me so mad thinking about it. It just, it hurts my heart because Hagrid deserves all the love. He really does. He's an awesome Mm -hmm. character. And I just, he deserves so much better than he gets so often. You know? I know. He's such, like I said, he's such a great father figure. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and then Fang being so upset after he was gone and just, Hagrid did not deserve that. He deserved better. I did not like seeing him go to Azkaban. Yeah. Deep sighs and heavy sighs. Very deep sighs. All right. Well, let us wrap up this episode. Tell me about your final thoughts about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Abby, what was your rating? Okay. So when I first read this, I would have rated it five stars, and that's how I have it on Goodreads. If I was going to rate it today, right now, I'd probably give it a three and a half stars. To me, this is probably the weakest of the books as far as plot goes, just because uh, there's a lot of coincidences and I know people have pointed out a lot of plot holes and just generally not the best in the series kind of thing. So, I mean, I still enjoy re-listening to this book. It's just probably the weakest in the series and... Okay, so what about you? What's your ranking? This is not my least favorite. I think for me, this is ranked number six in my Harry Potter books. So it's like a 3.75 out of five for me. It's good. It's not gripping. Um, The best parts of it is really the Weasley house. I love everything about the Weasleys and getting to see their family dynamics. I don't know. It just wasn't as into it. The plot's not as gripping. I don't really care about Tom Riddle or the Chamber of Secrets in general. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have that magical feeling of Sorcerer's Stones. Like I, it came off from like from a five out of five to a this is all right. 
And then my favorite book is Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the next one. So I think having like my two favorite books and this one sandwiched in between really, for me, diminishes this book, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. It's good. A book. Yeah. Just whatever. It's, it's, it's a nice cursor into the next book. That's how I feel about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone. That is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. We are so glad you joined us tonight, and we can't wait to talk to you again. All right, we'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. For a list of the books we talked about today, visit our community page on Facebook at The Book Life Podcast and search under Files. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the same name. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by Katie Benoit from her album Dominique. You can find Katie on Instagram at K, the number 8, T, B E N O I T, and on Spotify under her name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time. <laughs>